Hi, I'm Erin Hartz. Welcome to Grace Plus Boundaries, a weekly memoir in a podcast. I've realized through the past decade of my recovery that I learn the most about emotional maturity through listening to the triumphant stories of others. Are you yearning to unpack the effects of intergenerational trauma in your life? Do you want to stay true to your feelings, yet also learn how to accommodate the sensibilities of your loved ones? I'm dedicated to cracking the code of combining boundary setting with grace towards one another. Educate, evaluate, and evolve. Let's do this together. Welcome to an episode of Self-Care for Survivors of Trauma. This is Erin Hartz, and I have my second interview today. I'm so excited. I have Becca Ray Eagle on today, and she is a master's of science and education, a wife, a mom to a college student, avid hiker, and a podcast host, of course. Her podcast is called The Joyful Journaling Podcast, and that is why I really wanted her on our show for um, my second guest spot because journaling is certainly a part of self-care. I know I take it seriously. Journaling has helped me, but Becca has a really amazing story about how journaling actually saved her life. But before I introduce you to her, I'm also going to tell you that she has a lot of stuff going on. She's in two different books this year, one she published herself and she has a memoir out. Her memoir is called Embodying Joy, a Heart Journal, a memoir with journal space for body, mind, and spirit health. And it's available on Amazon. All right. So let me introduce you, Becca Ray. Hi, Becca. Hi, good morning. How are you today? Hi, I'm so good. So excited to meet you. We've been friends from a podcast group and you know, kind of seen each other on there, but this is the first time we've actually gotten to speak to each other and see each other's faces at the same time. We've just been texting back and forth and supporting each other, which has been really awesome because Becca has such a kind heart. I have a question for you. Did you journal yet today? I did. And I journaled in a brand new journal that was a gift from one of my joyful journalers. Oh, cool. Okay. So is that your group that you have? Yeah, that's my Facebook group associated with uh, the Joyful Journaling podcast that I have. It's pretty awesome to get gifts from people who are listening to what you're doing. It was a nice surprise. That is so sweet. Cool. Okay. And then how long, how long did you journal today? Just out of curiosity. This morning was a big one and it had a couple breaks, um, but in total, it was about two hours. I really got into it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Awesome. So I did some journaling last night. I do it a couple times a week. I wish I could say I did it every day, but, um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's just a space to kind of write whatever I think that's how it is for me. And I kind of sit there and just, it's kind of like a way for me to do nothing also. But, um, what do you think that you get out of journaling? Like, what is it that you really fills your soul? To me, it's kind of, a releasing of my soul. It's letting what I'm hearing from what I call source uh, flow through me onto the page. Things that I need to hear, but if you talk about your mind clutter or stress, or if you think with your head, 
that's going to get in the way. So I'm more listening to my heart and my soul when I'm dumping things on paper and organizing the thoughts that come out with absolutely no judgment. Okay. Yeah. So you just kind of do a stream of consciousness type, no judgment journaling. That's one of my methods. I also like part of my journaling today was post a meditation that I did for myself. So reflecting on that meditation, I added to the initial thoughts that I had put on paper. I also, part of my journaling today in that two-hour span was in response to prayer. So I start with putting my unfiltered thoughts on the paper, and then usually it's guided by something else that I'm doing in part of my morning practice. That sounds really like centering and grounding type work for yourself. It is. It's a great way to start my day. And I can tell the days that I don't put myself in that space because I usually think about more negative things, uh, things that shouldn't be occupying my head and my heart. Yeah, I can relate to that. Definitely. It helps clear out that junk. Um, this, this one friend of mine does this lint roller exercise, she calls it, where, and that's kind of like it could be a journaling exercise, like you're taking a lint roller. What things have I seen in the last few days that I can just kind of get rid of here and get out that stuff? So, um, all right. So, if I'm thinking about your memoir and your whole life story about how journaling saved your life. I mean, I have read the first, I think six chapters of your book so far, and I really, really did like it. It captivated my attention, certainly. You were going through a really rough time. So will you tell us a little bit about that and how how you use journaling to get out of it? Thank you, first of all, for reading <laughs> my memoir. I really appreciate it. I'm glad that you're getting things out of it. Uh, so I want to express my gratitude first. I have been journaling since I was a little over eight, I'd say about eight and a half years old. And I experienced some pretty heavy trauma when I was about that age. And there was no one to talk to about it because to protect myself and my family and relationships surrounding um, the abuse that I had faced as a little girl, I couldn't tell anybody. So I went to my journal as my safe space and felt that it was a friend. And that friend was one that I could trust from that moment on. I mean, if something that horrific could be kind of unpacked and thought through and taken out of my experience so that I could handle it that young, why couldn't I do it with joyful things or other painful experiences, which is pretty much what I did Last year, last year was a year of intense healing from a couple of years of extreme grief. We lost three family members, jobs due to COVID and layoffs. And I also was in two car accidents and that was kind of a lot. (laughs) So that's where my journal came in, just processing everything and talking to God about what I should do and also serving as a gratitude tool. I'm a storyteller and I like telling short stories. Mm -hmm. So in the pages of my journal, I looked at different things through the lens of gratitude and was able to remember the things that mattered, the things that were important in life. And that helped me during 
those heavy times to heal physically, heal recalling some of the abuse I had faced that I really hadn't dealt with too much. Um, and to deal with that grief. I mean, there was just a lot in a few years that I needed to bring someplace and the journal was a great place to do that. Yeah. I mean, it really does sound like a journal is your best friend in a way. Yeah. I love that. And so even at eight years old, you feel like you were able to put um, words onto the page that helped you deal with these horrible experiences. I did. I saw it was safe for one of my heroes when I was little was Laura Ingalls Wilder, just Mm. the Little House in the Prairie series. And then I read Little Women and, you know, read about writing things down and how important that was. And as long as I knew how to write, I didn't care if it was misspelled. None of that stuff mattered to eight and a half year old little girl me. It was just my heart on the page. And if those women could tell stories, I knew I could, too. Oh, it makes me want to cry. I love Laura Ingalls Wilder so much. I love those books. They're just, I don't know how she did it. They seem so simple, but she got so much heart and soul into that writing. And like what I hear you saying is you knew from that age that words are power. Words are our expression of our true self. And like, it seems like you were able to value that at at such a young age. That's all I wanted to do was I as soon as they learned how to read was I ate books, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just <laughs> devoured them voraciously and wanted to know the stories and then wanted to create my own stories. And since my story wasn't awesome and always, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. at that age, I had so many beautiful things going on too, but I felt that those words had power that I deserved to be able to speak them somewhere. And that was the only safe place I had. Wow. That is just so powerful. Like I love, I think that teacher part of me is just like hugging that teacher part of you because isn't that what we want for all our students is to know that like they're learning how to write and read well is like the key to so much fulfillment in who we are. And if we don't have those things, I feel like most of my students have never experienced that. I work with students that are um, English language learners. And so they, a lot of times just, they're not as high in reading and they don't like reading and they don't like writing. And it's just, um, it feels like they haven't made that connection to themselves and it's hard to teach that. So I know you've had a lot of experience teaching, Um, What would you say to that? How did you bring that into your classroom to inspire your students to love reading and writing? Every classroom that I ever had was filled with highly motivating quotes that were my favorite to begin to make connections with students. So short things that they could see, relate to, ask me about. And that's how we conducted journaling. Journaling was a part of pretty much every day, no matter what level I taught at. And I too have um, spent a lot of time with English language learners and journaling is where we started. I Mm. gave each of my students a journal. It was a gift. And that started during student teaching. I work with a Vietnamese uh, young lady in Buffalo, New York, and I knew nothing about Vietnamese culture. I knew nothing about her. I didn't know what I was doing, but I started safely with a journal and it became her gift to herself. 
I spent time with her family at a beautiful uh, restaurant that her family owned before I was done with student teaching. We just made those beautiful connections. And I thought, I've got something going here and I'm going to do this with every one of my students. In a public school setting, I can't gift a journal to every one of my students, but I did make sure that they had one and that they made it special. So it started with one gift. And then when my ELL students graduated, I did also give them journals because they it, they were small class sizes at community colleges and things mm-hmm. like that. I made sure the experience of having a journal was a gift so that they could feel safe looking at quotes, thinking about little snippets of things rather than, you know, having to be perfect or having to execute or perform. It was their space to process and that oh. was what was important to me. I wanted to read their process. And some things, if they didn't want me to read it, I would ask them to put like a little sticky note or a star on the page and have to trust my integrity that I wouldn't read that part. Yeah, that's the kind of um, that is so wonderful. I love this so much. Thanks for sharing that. The amount of you know care that you put into your students, it just sounds so beautiful. And I want to do that. You know, I have the, I have journals for my students. Well, they have a notebook, but um, how did you organize it so that they felt safe writing stuff like that? They weren't going to be ridiculed by others or that kind of thing. I do believe that grades can be partially a motivator. And if students tried in the amount of time that they, that I gave them, they got a participation grade for their journaling. I, I showed that I valued their thought process and their emotions and their growth in that way. And I didn't do a ton of participation grades, but that one was important and it was a part of pretty much every day. Okay. So it was just an expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then did you lock up the journals or I'll get on to another topic soon, but I'm just fascinated by oh, this. No <laughs> but um, did you have to, like, I heard, I've heard other things about people journaling and they, you know, they were worried about safety and so, that some teachers would put them in a locked cabinet or something like that. Did you ever feel the need to do anything like that? They held on to their journals. Oh, and okay. if they didn't bring it on any particular day, and we're talking even middle schoolers, you know, learning responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, everything else, if they didn't have their journal, they could put it on a piece of paper that I kept safe until we could put it in their journal with, you know, a stapler or tape or whatever. But most of the time, my students had their journals because they were invested in that time. And it wasn't mm-hmm. a big amount of time. It was usually... I, you know, newer teachers call it bell ringers, um, mm-hmm. but it was a time to just come in and just like I do with myself, center yourself into what we're doing for the day or as a reflection tool to pull it out toward the end of a lesson to process. So when you were journaling, when you were a child, did you ever worry that your family would read your journal or they'd react in some way? Because I know that was a real big fear with me. I figured my mom would probably snoop around and read stuff. And as a kid, I don't think there's a way for us to really hide things sometimes. Like I think some parents are very intrusive. Um, Did you ever have any experience like that? I did. And not in the journal that I shared those thoughts 
But unfortunately, a journal after, let's just say the boundaries were crossed. Mm -hmm. And I unfortunately threw away my journals that were so special to me because I didn't trust what was going on. And I made sure I took it on my bike to a local park, ripped it up, you know, and got rid of it and got rid of that one. So it was the second or third one. And I hoped that nothing was ever read. Nothing was ever talked to me about it. And that's also something that hurt, you know, knowing if somebody had read it, that they wouldn't have brought that up to me or thought it was a figment of my imagination. I mean, I never got to that. I I revealed everything in my late thirties, you know, after my perpetrator had passed away. So, I mean, I waited Mm -hmm. that long. So I'm hoping that no one had invaded that particular space, but I know for sure that one of my journals was the boundaries were crossed because things were brought up and it was very uncomfortable. And that made me not trust the process, but I kept my journals in all sorts of places after that, not where I originally had put it. And I think someone would have had to have gone really digging. And I haven't really had anybody violate those boundaries since. So maybe Mm. I sent sent something out to the universe to say, please don't let this happen again to, Mm -hmm. you know, this is my only friend, please. Not that I didn't have friends, but, you know, don't, don't take my most sacred space away from me. Yeah, that just sounds so painful to have to rip your journal apart like your little it's like ripping your little baby apart and yeah, not being I threw away all my journals from when I was a kid also because I think maybe my mom had read some of them. I mean, they weren't that intensive for me like I I was always just like in love with people. So I would write that kind of stuff. Um, I never wrote what really happened to me with my abuse and things in there because I knew that my mom might find it and I didn't want her to know. So it's nice that now that I'm in a safe place where I can write anything I want in my journal that I, you know, I can write about that stuff if I want to. And so I think if people come into journaling, so let's say some of our listeners are going to start journaling. Um, what are some blocks that you've seen some of your clients or friends have with journaling? They want to censor themselves. And because we're taught so much and, you know, no disrespect to you as a teacher, because I'm not in your classroom, but as a system, we want to mark everything up. We want to correct it. We want Mm -hmm. to make it some sort of an evaluation. Mm -hmm. And that's ingrained in children. And as adults who may not have enjoyed journaling as part of school because it was graded or or something like that, um, we need to stop censoring ourselves because it's not meant to be a censoring tool. It's meant to be a life giving tool. It's meant for you to free your thoughts, not to bind them within somebody's grading system or validation of what's right or wrong or your interpretation of this poem. That's beautiful. It's great to think about those things, but hopefully that's not the end point in somebody's mm-hmm. journal. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that definitely. Like, um, 
uh, the censorship. And I think when I first started journaling too, I'm sure there was me censoring myself of things I could say and not say. And I had to kind of practice allowing myself just to say whatever I wanted um, and to be safe in that for myself and for everybody around me. If people wanted to contact you, it looks like you have your Facebook group. Um, you're writing doula today. I'll put that link in the show notes, of course. And then Instagram, you're writing doula today with a two, like the number two. What else would you like to tell us about journaling before we go? Journaling has been the seed to every written word that I've released into the world. It's my birthing mm. point. It is where my thoughts become things as they mm. say and i would love it if everybody gave themselves that gift because if you don't censor it first the chances are you will be more authentic in what you do want to birth into the world that's why i embrace the term writing doula because we are birthing something so sacred from within ourselves that Eventually, we have the confidence to share, but coming from an authentic seed, it blooms more naturally and more authentically. Yeah, you express that so beautifully. Def I mean, I've had that experience myself, too, because of learning how to journal from the writer's, what is it, the writer's way? Have you ever yes. read The Writer's Way? Yes. So Julia Cameron, yes. The Writer's Way. That's what I started doing, um, I guess, about seven or eight years ago. And I wrote, you know, did it every day because I was working part time then. So I was able to do that. And um, sh her belief is that the writing is just like you said, and you've lived in your life is that that's the starting point for all our creativity. So anybody who's um, a musician, any kind of creativity, you can start with journaling to get those seeds planted and then growing. So yeah, what do you think about that? I am reading a follow-up book to the writer. It's it's kind of like the writer's way. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And she talks about having a practice where every day, no matter what, you have two to three pages. Mm. And that's something that I've been committing myself more to going, jumping from journaling exclusively to becoming a writer and then considering myself now an author because now my writing is in the world and I'm publishing again in June with um, an editor and publisher in the whole nine yards. But having a commitment to a practice that stems from your journal and then even goes beyond is something that I think everybody can benefit from, but it all starts with the journal. Yeah, I really agree. I totally agree. And like, I've had a lot of insomnia for the last few years. And um, I realized the nights that I make myself sit down and journal before bed, um, I sleep better because I think there's that, I don't know, those inner children inside me just have a lot to say and getting it down on the page helps. Yeah. And letting them do that with such love and a space that they know they're safe is so important. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here, Becca. I mean, you are really inspiring and I just love hearing all the parts of your story. So thanks for being on, on the podcast. Thank you. 
You deserve a big high five and a smile in the mirror for showing up for yourself today. Thank you for your dedication to introspection and self-awareness because our personal evolution is what will make this world a better place. If you enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star review and share it with a friend. And let me know if you want to be a guest to share how you are navigating intergenerational trauma in your life. You're welcome to join my free monthly goal-setting workshop on the first Wednesday of every month. Just DM me at iHeartsAaron.